Hello, this is Joseph Malazzi, former executive producer, writer, Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Universe, and Dark Matter. This is the MacGyver Podcast with Mac Jackson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the MacGyver Podcast. I'm your host, Mac Jackson, and today we have a very special guest, uh, writer and executive producer of the Stargate franchise, Joe Malozzi. Uh, Joe is someone I've been dying to get on. Uh, he writes a blog, which is fantastic. It's daily. And I just, I admire his work. Uh, we seem to have a lot in common. And now the timing is perfect because this is Thursday. Uh, tomorrow, March 9th, at uh, 6 o'clock is the push uh, Stargate Now to let MGM know that we want, i.e. need, a new Stargate series. So if you're listening to this, either pause this podcast or do it as you're listening and go to Twitter and tweet your little hearts out and demand that MGM listen to us and get us a new Stargate series, not a reboot, uh, one that picks up where the other three series left off. God knows we don't have any shows like that on TV now, and it's incredibly needed. So please sit back, enjoy uh, Joe and I talk about comics, food, uh, writing, and of course, Stargate. All right, so enjoy, spread the word, subscribe, give us a five star, you know, the routine. And don't forget, stay creative, everyone. How are you? I am great. Busy, Good. I see. Yeah, I mean, basically, the it's funny because, uh, you know... It, it, it's been 20 years since I've been free. I, I've, you know, gone from getting my start in sort of animation and story editing animation, going to like live action and then landing on Stargate and the, you know, 12 years on Stargate. Then we did the mini series and then we ended up on this, you know, show from hell that I don't even want to talk about. <laughs> uh, and then eventually we, we, we set up dark matter or, you know, and then I, you know, I, I was a showrunner on dark matter and, and I had my hands with dark matter. This is the first time I've actually been free in uh, a very long time. And yet I feel as though I'm busier now than I was when I was in production, just because when you're not in production, you're in development. And when you're in development, you have dozens of balls in the air because you never know what's going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in addition to the, the, the development is this whole uh, drive to revive Stargate campaign that has been kind of on an accelerated, you know, uh, schedule because we have like a very short window to get the word out to MGM and, you know, rally the fans and, and make a little noise. So once the dust settles after this weekend, uh, you know, no doubt be able to take a breather. Yeah, it is, it's like I was texting you. I said, isn't it funny when you're between jobs... You're busier than ever because you're going, look at, look at, look, I have all this to offer. Look, look. And like you said, you never know what's going to land. Yeah, you know, exactly. And constantly having so many irons in the fire, you know. Um, so I just before we dive, because I, I know once we get into talking about Stargate, it's it, we're just going to go on and on. But 
how did you, I wanted to start like way back. Where were you born? Yep. I was actually born in Montreal, Canada. Okay. See, and, and go ahead. Yeah. No, no, that's it. That's uh, <laughs> end of story. Well, when we were, when you were saying where you were, I assumed. I don't know if this is from reading your blog or not. I thought you were still in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, um, you know, my right, my former writing partner and I, Paul Molly, uh, we're both from Montreal, and we ended up moving to Vancouver to do Stargate uh, during SU1's fourth season, and it was with the understanding that the show would go. Uh, maybe another season and we would wrap up season five and that would be it. And, you know, then we did season five and, and we hear, Hey, uh, we were picked up by sci-fi channel. So we're going to be doing a sixth season and that will be the last season. And then we'll all go our separate ways. And then lo and behold, we got a seventh season, which will be our last season. And then, okay. Okay. You know, eighth season, there's no way we're going past eight. And we did the ninth season, you know, and as I'm fond of telling everyone, um, after we got the tenth season pickup, it was the first time where I actually felt confident we would get a pickup, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, we almost did. We almost got the Apple uh, iTunes save that that I, I revealed recently. The fact that after SG One was canceled, uh, after tenth season, there were some discussions with Apple, and uh, and they actually talked about doing an, an Apple iTunes exclusive 11th season of Stargate SG-1 that ultimately, because of contractual reasons, uh, we we never were able to do, which is kind of too bad, but... Yeah, well, yeah. And see, and that's the thing, too, because if you know that you're getting one last season, at least there's an opportunity for some sort of closure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really weird, because in the case of SG-1... We um, we at least knew well enough in advance so that at least Rob Cooper could write that that finale as a as a series finale as opposed to a season finale. Whereas you know, as in the case with um, Atlantis or Universe, we didn't know. We we assumed we were coming back. I mean, in both cases, in, in the case of Stargate Atlantis. I assumed that we would be coming back for a sixth and final season mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of pass the torch to Stargate Universe and, and you know, sort of maintain that Sci-Fi Friday um, juggernaut. Yeah. And uh, and when that didn't happen, I was actually kind of surprised. Actually, more than kind of surprised. I was just very surprised. Uh, and then in the case of Stargate yeah. Universe, you know, the, the ratings were, were falling off, so we expected that you know, we, we we weren't going to be back, but we were told that actually we would probably come back for a third and final season, which would allow, would have allowed us to essentially, you know, finish our story. And we operated under that assumption uh, almost until the very end, or really until the very end, but in, in that final scene where um, everybody goes to sleep, mm -hmm. my writing partner, Paul, had the brilliant idea of, essentially bookending the series in case we never came back. So in, in, in you, you, you remember when you go back to the opening of Stargate Universe, you're actually uh, going up through the various levels of the ship and the ship is coming to life as all the lights turn on. Uh, Paul suggested doing the opposite mm -hmm. and going back down and having the lights turn off. So it's a nice visual bookend 
you know that 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 kind of ties up the series as much as it could be tied up. Uh, but you know, when we wrote the series, to be honest with you, we kind of thought we were coming back. I, honest to God, I think one of the the worst things you can do to any show, really, but a, a successful franchise is to just cut it off at the knees and go. We don't care if you have a, any sort of, you know, wrap up. You know, I remember they, they yeah. did that with the Dead Zone. Dead Zone had a bunch of seasons, and then they just stopped it. Well, well, mo- most recently, uh, my show Dark Matter yes. that ends on an enormous season three cliffhanger, and it was incredibly frustrating because you know I was surprised that we got canceled because we were one of their highest rated, uh, most watched mm-hmm. shows. Um, uh, you know, we were one of their cheapest shows, frankly, to produce, and we offered to make it any even cheaper for them. We uh, we reached out ultimately and said, "Can we have a miniseries to wrap it up?" Uh, and then, you know, we we reached out in the end and said, "At least, can we have a movie or anything, just you know, for the fans?" Because after all, their their slogan is, "It's a fan thing," so you would think they would care, and uh, they did not. <laughs> uh, they, they they basically. The, the fact that they didn't even respond to our request shows you how much they did not care. Oh, man. Like I said, I mean, I, I went back to it and, and I looked and, and I realized, you know, holy smokes, I, I produced, you know, oh, oh, about 280 episodes of television for the Sci-Fi Network. And uh, the ending was, uh, you know, it was kind of a don't let the door hit your ass on the way out mm-hmm. type of a... Uh, Conclusion. Well, you would know more than me. When my understanding, when Stargate, uh, just all the shows were going away, it changed. Didn't whoever was in charge of, say, Sci-Fi or MGM, change hands, and whoever took over wanted to do Sharknado type stuff or wrestling. Remember, they brought in wrestling on Sci-Fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's. It, it feels as though, I don't know, the, the name sci-fi isn't really apropos. It should really be more kind of the spec-fic network because they, they they take steps to kind of embrace sci-fi and they talk the talk, but they never really follow through. And and just, you know, it, it just feels as though a lot of the times they, uh, to me, it feels like they're really more interested in like the... Uh, uh, the big name, the uh, yes. they call it IP, the fact that, oh, this is based on a book, so we're going to do this. And then, you know, they, they figure, oh, that'll be enough to bring the fans in and uh, and on we go. And one of the things that I think made Stargate special, and it's something I brought onto Dark Matter, was this this notion of family that I keep, you know, mm-hmm. harping on. If you will. The fact that it's character driven and there's undercurrent of humor that, you know, we don't take ourselves seriously all the time and yet you know there are stakes there and and just you know you create characters that audiences can connect with and as a result you know Stargate was a huge success and Dark Matter was you know a a success on the sci-fi channel but at the end of the day it yeah they didn't really care and that it kills you because honestly got to this day and I think forever They'll talk about the Friday night juggernaut, like you said. Two, yeah. two Stargate shows and Battlestar Galactica. You were yeah. set. Now, Friday is usually death to a lot of series because people are going yeah. out or whatever. 
Uh, but that was when we were like, no, I don't want to go out. I'm here. I'm glued to my seat, and I don't want to miss a mm -hmm. word. You know, you're sitting there with your like this. And yeah, yeah. three hours, I mean, and even if you weren't into, say, Battlestar Galactica, well, chances are you're keeping the TV on already because you're watching the Stargate shows. You, yeah. you know, yeah. I just, it, it baffles me when, and again, hopefully this will all change, when you have people going, no, no, this is exactly what we want. This was perfection. Can we please have it? You know, and... Well, here's why I think things are changing. Netflix. Yes. Um, yeah. So basically, Netflix is a game changer. And, and you know, back in the day, sci-fi was the only game in town. But no more. Uh, Amazon, Hulu, Netflix, even to a certain degree, AMC, CW. You know, they're, they're superhero-themed shows. You know, I would consider sci-fi. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, they have the 100 and... and, and you know, that, that's where I think genre fans are, are congregating to and, and, you know, sort of networks or service or, you know, providers, platforms that really, I guess, respect the fandom. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. like uh, the, um, you know, the Netflix example was a great, great the Sense8 example where essentially they, uh, you know, they, they canceled the show, but they gave you know, the fans and ending mm -hmm. and, you know, that just shows respect for fandom. Um, and you know, and, and the fandom realizes and I'm sure appreciates the fact that, that, that they are respected in, in, in that way. And, and, you know, they, they, and as a result, they, they respond by being loyal viewers to, you know, whatever other show, maybe, you know, genre show Netflix may have in the pipeline. And it's, it's funny, too, because besides admiring your writing and all, I, I've been reading your blog for years and loved it. Um, you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, especially you. your food truck crawls. Oh, yeah. My, yeah, my mouth waters when I, I would read those. I'm like, man, darn it. How come? You know, we finally got a food truck in our backyard. Uh, I'm, I'm near Scranton. Yeah. And we had one called What the Fork. <laughs> and they had, yeah. you know, great food. And as I'm going there, I'm excited. And I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking, man, if I ever get to talk to him, and I hope I do, I got to tell him I'm so excited because you would go from one food truck to another and show the pictures and explain it. And we had it, and it was great. And they were so successful that they were going to open two restaurants. And what happened was last year – they closed down and they just went away and people, you know, there was always a line, rain, yeah. rain, snow, shine. There was a line of people for, for, to buy the food and they didn't pay their taxes. Uh, I can't. That's actually a funny story. Funny story. Uh, um, when I first moved to Stargate, uh, when I moved, first moved to Vancouver for Stargate, we, they took us to this Italian restaurant and uh, there was this guy, and he, you know, he was the owner, and he came over, and he knew everyone, and he was like a kind of like a local celebrity. And uh, and then like two weeks later, I, I said, you know, with my ex at the time, I was like, let's let's go back to the restaurant. And we went back, and it was shuttered, and it was closed, and we're like, what happened? And, and I heard, well, the owner didn't pay his taxes. And then five years later, I'm at a mall, and I go to a sandwich shop, and I see him at the back. And he's making sandwiches. <laughs> and 
It's just, it's a lesson learned here, people. Pay your taxes. Oh, honest to God. There, there was a, uh, I know we're going off on a tangent, but who cares? Um, we're talking about food, so that's good. There, my, my parents and I would go to this little Italian place, and this guy, I swear, it was like a caricature. It, it was like he was right off the boat. It was a small hole-in-the-wall place, but the food, you'd get the veal parmesan, and it was mm, just, yeah. and he would come, you'd see him in the back, he'd go, hey, look, I got the veal, and he'd be slapping the veal, you know, to tenderize it, and he was all proud and very broken English, and we loved going there, but he then moved up the block to like a bigger place, and I guess brought in extra cooks. Well, they couldn't keep the quality. Yeah. So he went away for a couple of years. Well, now he's back to a new hole in the wall down the road. And I'll tell you, it's like a neighborhood secret. Not everybody knows where it is. <laughs> you know, no. you want you want him to be successful, but not too successful. I want to make sure I can get a table. Yeah, that's that's kind yeah. of where I'm yeah. at. You know, I, I, I'm happy for you, Giuseppe, but just that's my booth. You know, <laughs> um, that's fair. Yeah, fair. right. Um. Okay, well, uh, we were saying you, you were born in Montreal. How did you get into writing? Um, you know, I used to write short stories as a kid, and I thought, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to write novels when I, when I get older. And my, and my mother used to say, well, you know, you can't writer, – a writer isn't a profession. You can't be a writer. People aren't writers. People are, or let's say, lawyers or doctors, and they can write on the side. Maybe you can be a journalist. And, um, you know, I remember I wrote my first novel. I mean, actually, the first novel I ever wrote was in grade three. It was like a, a sci-fi, uh, terrible sci-fi uh, uh, novel on, on uh, you know, loose leaf. Uh, and then I wrote another one in college, and it was equally, I think, terrible. And uh, my then uh, my future writer, writing partner, Paul, said, hey, why don't you, you know, I see this as more of a, a feature, a script. And so I learned the script format, which is actually quite easy to learn, you know, uh, FYI for any of your uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, viewers or listeners. And uh, and then I, I adapted my terrible novel into an equally terrible script, but at least I learned the format. And then from there, I actually got my foot in the door um, working in animation. And uh, I started writing for animation and then worked my way up to development and then i went from i tra i basically moved from went from um animation to live action teen sitcom i did a show called student bodies i've heard of uh it. for a couple of years yeah and then from there a couple of action adventure uh shows and then ultimately ended up on stargate and it was like a 12 year ride that was frankly totally unexpected we we thought we'd be there for two years and ended up staying six times as long well, I uh, and you wrote Caillou, didn't you? In you fact, yes. Okay. I developed uh, Caillou for television. Yeah. You developed yeah, yeah, it? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. 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 I developed Caillou, um, The Adventures of Paddington Bear, mm -hmm. uh, Animal Crackers, Lulu the uh, Moon of the Vampire. Anyways, it was just, I, I did some, some story editing for the CBS Saturday morning lineup. Uh, Flying Rhino Junior High. Um, it was all, you know, it, it was an interesting journey, yeah. let's put it that way. And then, you know, we ended up in, in Vancouver and I stayed there and, and Vancouver was my home for, for many years. And I would, I would actually travel back and forth to shoot Dark Matter here in Toronto. <laughs> and then finally, 
you know, uh, we, um, you know, after the third season wrap, we saw the ratings were great. We got the room together. We broke stories for season four. And I just decided, you know what? I'll just move to Toronto and, um, you know, sell the house in Vancouver. I'll move to Toronto because that's where I really need to be if I want to be in the Canadian film industry, yeah. film and television. And I'll just, you know, finish the last two, two years of Dark Matter and, and see what's next. And the day I actually got to Toronto after the move, I was exhausted. I remember I was, I was at a, a dumpling house having lunch and I get the call and I found out we'd been canceled. The timing couldn't have been oh, more perfect. God, that is, I, 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 I remember when the news broke. I don't know how much, after, how long after that, that you shared. Yeah, it was much longer. And I just went, no, come on, man. you know, and and yeah. I, I say this and I, I'm not, I've said that if you've ever listened to the, any of the episodes previously, I mean it, I'm not saying to kiss your butt, but I've always admired your writing and also your practicality, you know, like, like you, you get it. You, okay. How, how do I, I'm going to use Stargate as an example. And on a, a podcast where the logo is a Stargate for like never gets mm-hmm. old. You, you, you right. know, it's sincere. Um, and I'll say this to my wife uh, as we watch episodes, you know, or it, not even an episode of Stargate. If we watch anything that's typically on now, I'll say we were really spoiled. Like we, we've hit perfection as far as a television show that has everything. Uh, it doesn't, telegraph its plot you know you're mentioning like Mm. the cw superhero shows well i'm a comic book guy too and so as i'm i know i I, i'm dying to talk about that but uh, (laughs) uh so these shows mean something to me before they even hit the air but i'm noticing especially since stargate uh csi is over there's a new wave of I, I don't want to sound insulting to other writers, but dumbing down the the episode-by-episode episode script where they're already telegraphing what you need to know for the last five minutes of this episode. You know, they pick up something they've never touched before, and we're going to talk about it for a minute, and then it'll come back in that same episode. So right. Stargate, any of the, of, of the uh, shows didn't do that. It was so subtle that if Sam mentioned something that she was working on, on an episode as just a passing comment, you could say the new ships or whatever you go "Ah," Mm -hmm. and you'd let it go. And then episodes, maybe even a season later, that would come around again. You go, wait a minute. That was a seed that was planted, you know, that I didn't even really pay attention to. And it seems like that sort of, natural subtlety has been lost with basic television shows. Yeah. I mean, I guess it really depends on, on the show. I mean, first of all, I want to say, you know, uh, that type of storytelling um, was really, you know, due to, to Brad and Robert's leadership, Brad Wright and Robert Cooper's were, Mm -hmm. you know, longtime co-creators and, and showrunners, um, you know, they, they were not lazy writers. Right. Um, you know, and, and, but ultimately, ultimately I think in the serialized format, 
you get a lot more, I, I think, a, a lot smarter storytelling. I'm not saying, not necessarily that the standalone episodic is, uh, is not as strong. I just find sometimes, um, and, and it's not even the writers. I think, to be honest with you, a lot of the times it's executives who give the notes and say, uh, I don't know what's going on. Please explain this to me. Or the audience, this is going to go over the audience's head. You know, mm -hmm. it, more and more, it seems as though, you know, they're, they're not willing to give the audience the benefit of the doubt and or the respect mm -hmm. uh, of their intelligence. So, so they... You know, they'll, they'll ask the writers to simplify or explain. And, and as a result, you know, you get, you know, the type of, I, I think, stories you're, you're referring to. Which, again, I, I still think, like, uh, Flash, um, Legends of Tomorrow has gotten much better since the first season. Um, mm -hmm. But, like, those, uh, Supergirl, they seem to be the better of the batch. But there's a... Uh, what like a CW quality that I'm like mm, you could lose that I, I wish like I think that's what killed right. Arrow for me Arrow I don't need to keep flashing back to the island for five years you know, right. you know and just like that but overall I still think we're living in a golden age of superhero television shows mm -hmm. we're absolutely very, we're so blessed so even if I'm we're gonna nitpick something I'd rather have it to nitpick than not have it at all right you know what's the uh uh an embarrassment of riches yes yeah, exactly that works how, how did you so see and you tell me what you think I was thinking about this today writing for me writing reminds me of I can't play with toys anymore I'm not a little kid and I think what happens as you get older, you realize picking up action figures and go isn't enough of a story to satisfy you. So that's when I got into writing. Like I thought, all right, I still have thoughts in my head, but I can't have five minutes of these toys talking to each other. You know that, what I mean? Yeah, that's actually very funny because I remember when I used to, to play with my action figures – I would create stories and, and, and in fact, I, I created this entire comic book series and, and would play with the action figures. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think now, you know, when people ask me, I'm still, I feel, you know, a lot of the time, you know, when, when somebody asks you, what age did you stop uh, maturing at? And a lot of people will be like, oh, 25 or 30 or 32. I'm still 13. Yep. So, yep. They, so. I, you know, I get very excited when I hit a comic book store. I'm, uh, uh, I'm putting together a collection of, of supervillain t-shirts because I'm a, a huge supervillain fan. Really? Uh, I got, Toronto Comic Con is coming up, so I'm, I'm looking to, you know, continue to round out my collection. Off, I mean, off the top of my head, I can count like 300 uh, DC and Marvel supervillains. So I got a lot of, you know, t-shirts uh, territory to cover. Um, you know, when I moved um, from Vancouver, uh, I had like 45 boxes of books because I'm a huge, you know, sci-fi and mm -hmm. fantasy and horror fan. I had about an equal amount of comic books. And then I had roughly double that in uh, action figures and Randy Bowen statues. 
Okay. Uh, especially of supervillains. Okay. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still a kid. The only difference being that I actually can afford a lot cooler <laughs> stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's funny, too, because I had um, Chuck Dixon on an episode uh, a couple months ago. And, you know, he, he's him and Graham Nolan created Bane. Yeah, he's doing the Bane series now for uh, DC. Right. I, I bought them because I, I now get my books on a tablet just to save room. You know, because I can't. As do I. Okay, good. Um, yeah. And we were talking about the creation of Bane. And I'm thinking, this is, mm -hmm. I love Bane because Bane is like basically the negative version of Batman. You know, right? And and I just I'm always a sucker for those type of villains. Give me the reverse Flash or right. You, you know what I mean? Bizarro type of thing. Yeah. Um. And, but yet at the same time, like I get the Funkos. You know, yeah. The, the uh, here's yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. I can't get myself, or at least I'm stopping myself from getting villain ones because yeah. if I got to stop somewhere. I have like yeah, absolutely. That's why basically for me it's just the villain. Huh? Really? How come? Uh, because I've always considered myself a. I, I would be a great James Bond villain. <laughs> I you know I have the suits. I have like, you know, a dozen suits, like a a, a vast collection of ties and 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 really cool cufflinks. Like just, uh, I just think I would make a great James Bond um, uh, villain, and I wouldn't make the mistake of basically taunting him or setting up in some elaborate trap, he would just go right into the shark tank, as, you, you know, if I had him. He could sit there petting one of your pugs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, how did you get to, and again, I'm bouncing around because I have all these questions yeah. and just, I like I said, I, I have admired you and your work, so my mind is just ping-ponging all over the place. How did you get to be an executive producer? Because that's, I mean, you, you, you had one of the, or have, one of the best jobs. Like, I write, but I don't get paid for it. You know what I mean? It's all labors of yeah, love. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all relative, really. I mean, it's like when, 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 when I invite people to set, people are like, oh, my God, we're going to go to set. And really, for me, it's like, yeah. I mean, let me start from the beginning. Basically, when, when as a writer, when you think about script writing, 99% of the times you think about writing for film. And that's a huge mistake because the chances of you becoming a successful film writer are, I think, infinitesimal. And even if, let's say, you are quasi-successful, the chances of you being respected or um, really entering a position of power are almost nil. Film is a director's realm. And, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm fond of telling the story of, of uh, uh, a guy I knew, very successful television writer who uh, wrote a feature film and he was invited to set one day and uh, he met the lead. He was introduced to the lead and she looked at him, in his words, like something she had found in the, on the bottom of her shoe. So in a sense, that's how writers are treated in film. TV is different, though. TV, they get in, you know, you, you're writing, you get into a writer's room, uh, you learn production. You, 
as you gain experience, you gain credits. You know, Paul and I, uh, one of the great things about, about Stargate was that Brad Robert and Robert, uh, Brad, Brad Wright and Robert Cooper were, were so good at um, allowing everyone to learn and experience, uh, gain onset experience and giving them opportunities. And so we, Paul and I started off as co-producers and we worked our way up to, as to producers and then ultimately supervising producers. You know, as we gained more, we, you know, we were on set more, we would uh, essentially run meetings, we would be in casting, we would be in editing, we would learn, learn those ropes. And, you know, in the end, uh, of Stargate's run, it was you know Brad, it was Rob, it was Paul and I, it was Martin Garrow who's gone on to do Blind Spot and be incredibly successful. Uh, it was Carl Binder, uh, you know, a guy who's, who's had a lot of success as well. Alan McCullough, who's who's show running a show here called Private Eyes with with Jason Priestley, and we were all de facto showrunners in that room because we would, we 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 had acquired so much knowledge and experience that not only could we write but we could essentially run our individual episodes and and it's kind of unheard of to be honest with you and of course all you know a lot of that had to do with the fact that Stargate ran for as long as it did but uh really as a writer you can work your way up eventually to becoming a showrunner you can create your own show you can run your own show you can call the shots and that's something unheard of in film Mm -hmm. and uh you know obviously I mean I'm I'll admit I'm, I'm in a great position I was very lucky uh, I, I spent 12 amazing years on Stargate. Uh, you know, I, I'm very proud of the work I did on Stargate, and I love the people I worked with. It was a really positive experience. It, that experience that I, I, you know, I took away from Stargate, I kind of transposed onto Dark Matter in terms of not just the way I, I attacked the show. Uh, make, you know, we talk about it being character driven, about the, kind of the, the sense of the kind of the, the family at the core, the underlying sense of humor, the respect for the fandom, but also a really positive working environment where people were happy to come to work, like Stargate. And, and you know, it, it meant a lot. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, like I said, I'm in, a, I'm in a very good position. I've created a show, but I mean, to be honest, you know, you always imagine, oh, I could be in a better position. I mean, I could be in a position where I, I could walk into like any studio and say, "Hey, this is the show I want to make," and they'll say, "Great, let's do it." <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not in that position yet. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, so so right now I'm I'm juggling a dozen projects and and you know seeing what what's going to hit. And it's funny too because I know like uh, I I was trained originally as an artist went to school for it and then I realized that you know what you don't have as much freedom with your story or anything really as you would as a writer so then I switched over to writing and by college I was you know doing that and it, it you find that it's a vocation you're willing to do these things for free because you can't help it. Like, I, you know, I think, all right, I'm going to take a break. And I'm going to, you know, take a month off. But yet, right? no, I have this idea and I really want to jot it down. It, you know, so so I remember I was losing the job. My wife and I got married. We worked at the same place. And on our honeymoon, we found out through the news that we were losing our job. So, yeah. News. Good time. Oh, yeah, it was it was actually on the news as we were walking to like the honeymoon buffet or whatever they had. Yeah. And we so we come back and we had to 
train the new people, but then sit back and do nothing for months. So while I'm sitting there, I start writing comic strips. And I'm, you know, figuring mm -hmm. out, like you said, all the techniques of how do you do panel by panel and how do you explain to the artist and all that. And then, like, it, one thing leads to another, but you're right. You have to be willing to just do it like it's not a matter of yeah. money it's a matter of trying to i always say create something good for the world in sure. theory right i mean yeah yeah you want yeah. to leave your mark you know yeah yeah uh, yeah that is that is totally fair yeah and if you're if you're good at it like you said a lot of opportunities come your way you know to yeah. be uh, yeah to fall into being an yeah, executive I mean, it, producer that's fantastic yeah i mean it's it's I, I have often felt that in this business there is, you know, 33% talent, 33% connections. You want to go put your time in and, and make do, you know, have those meetings and 33% luck and that 1% variable of, I don't know. I mean, it's just, you never know. I mean, I know a lot of very talented people who aren't working and I know some very untalented people who work a lot <laughs> and it's not fair, but you know, such as a business. And I think um, uh, persistence pays off in that case. Yes, right? it does. I mean, the ones who are good are still going to keep trying. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, did you get into comics at what age? Oh, I, as a kid, I was growing up reading X-Men and and, uh, and the Avengers. Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a lot younger, I actually think. Um, I read a lot of Batman. At the time, I, I remember Batman being pretty dark um and then eventually i think it was like high school really uh early high school uh, you know it was at giant size x-men number one the introduction of the new x-men uh you know th that did it for me and really it's not really a love-hate relationship with comics but it's it's more like an interest uh, avid interest disinterest relationship where um i will just you know just because of of you know, what's going on in my life, I will just pick up almost every title out there and just drop the titles that don't interest me and keep reading the ones that do. And then, you know, till eventually things kind of peter out. And then, you know, a year or two later, I'll just go back and, you know, rediscover everything. I just find now, you know, I wish I could get back more into the DC and Marvel, and I, and I have to a certain degree, mm -hmm. but there's just so much crossover, and so it's so um, mythologically heavy mm -hmm. that it becomes almost inaccessible for me. And, um, you know, I look at, at uh, you know, I, I prefer reading graphic novels now. Like, I, I've been reading Saga forever. Oh, right. Um, Brian yeah. Vaughn, yeah. ever since Why the Last yeah. Man, I'm like, okay, you're my one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I started that from the beginning, and, and you know, whenever the trade paperbacks come come out, I'll I'll read those. I I, I really loved um, Tom King's The Vision mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, series. I bought it, but uh, I haven't read it yet. You know, oh, it was it was my favorite, but but also oddities as well. Um, you know, I used to be a big Walking Dead mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, comic book fan, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I still love the comic book, but I don't really read it as much. But then I started reading Afterlife with Archie, oh. and then the even better. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I didn't get there yet. Holy smokes. I, I yeah. read I, Chill After Life with Archie is I read and I'm waiting for more. It drives me nuts. Like Yeah, it, it is it, yeah, the, the publishing schedule is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um 
But in any case, I mean, there are a lot of uh, comic book writers that, that I'm a huge fan of. I, there are a lot of comic book characters that I love. You know, I used to be a big fan of uh, superhero movies mm -hmm. until I saw Age of Ultron. And that movie killed my desire to see uh, a superhero movie for the longest time. I, I, sitting through that movie to me felt like watching somebody else play three and a half hours of video games. <laughs> I felt like, you know, I, you know, if you do not have a PhD in Marvel, do not apply. I, I, I just felt, you know, just so angry walking out of that movie and so disappointed. And, uh, and then years later, actually, I did see Deadpool, but only because he, it was like an anti, he's such an anti-hero and I love the comic book and I love that movie. Um, and then recently I saw Black Panther, which I really liked. Mm -hmm. um, I really liked Black Panther just because, um, you know, for you know, whatever, various reasons, but for me, it really comes down to the, the story. Does the story make sense? And you'd be surprised that how many times the story doesn't make sense or there are plot holes that, you know, they will, they will spend, you know, tens of millions of dollars on visual effects but they don't really care about the scripts not making sense. That drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of respect for the writers of Black Panther in, in essentially crafting a movie that made sense. Thank you very much. <laughs> it, it seems like a small thing, but it's apparently very hard to do in Hollywood. You're, just, very hard you're to like do. me. Like you get so passionate about like, why do you not understand these things yeah, matter? Well, yes. Yes, but I mean, as a writer, as, as a fellow writer, you know, I mean, you go into a movie and that's what you're looking at. You know, you're enjoying the spectacle, but at the end of the day, you're thinking as a writer, you know, why did they let this go? Or why did they put this in? Mm -hmm. and, and it happens a lot when I go see movies. And, and, you know, people will be like, ah, it's a movie. You should just go enjoy yourself. And my response is, no, they, you know how much money they put into this movie? Right. And the fact that basically they wouldn't, couldn't even get the script right tells me that they have zero respect for for the audience. Or they don't. They didn't bother to explain how character A got to place B or why. Yeah, like you're you're just supposed right. to gloss over that and ignore it. Like no, again, we're not we're yeah. not cows. We we want to see everything should have a purpose and a reason. Otherwise, it's just lazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you see Winter Soldier? I have not. I've heard very good things about Winter Soldier. You know, after seeing Black Panther, I've decided I'm going to go back. I want to check out Wonder Woman. I want to check out Winter Soldier. And, you know, we'll see see what else. I mean, there was a time when I loved, I mean, I look back at, at the superhero movies I loved. And uh, I, to be honest, I like Logan. Logan, I, I actually quite liked. Um, it was a bit dark. My, uh, I was watching it with my girlfriend, Akemi, and she got really attached to uh, Charles sure. Xavier. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, um, like I said, Deadpool. I loved the original. Kickass was Kickass. Yep. Um, the original uh, Tobey Maguire Spider Man. I I really love, with the exception of the Green Goblin sure. uh, outfit. Power Rangers. Uh, and the first. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then the first two. Or, oh, sorry, Iron Man, of course. Um, the first Iron Man, and then the uh, the first two X Men movies. Uh, even though there's, you know, looking at them now they're somewhat dated uh but they were actually really good well-written uh comic book movies that respected the source material 
and most importantly, respected their audiences. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's funny because my son is nine and I'm having him watch yeah. in, in quote unquote order the X-Men movies, which means I started with X-Men Origins, then X-Men, oh, then okay. X-2, you know what I mean? And now yeah, right, yeah. I, I had him watch uh, The Wolverine. And now next is right. the um, the next the X Men movie that fixes the third movie. The uh, <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. Uh, uh, I... Days of Future Past. Okay. Yes. Okay. So because yeah. that's when they got back on track and like remember all the things you hated from when we for no reason whatsoever killed Cyclops. Yeah. Well, we fix that. You know. Right. Um. So let me think. We're talking. Uh, comic. Oh. Okay. Who do you prefer overall, Marvel or DC? Just if you had to pick one, just because that was a you mentioned it. Oh damn! You know, I, I oh, that's really tough. I'm mean, basically not, now I'm just kind of reviewing. <laughs> I read a lot of independent titles. Yep, yep, um, yep. But you know, I grew up really reading mostly Marvel, and I feel my heart is Marvel, but. I kind of, I, you know, like Tom King on on Batman, yes. and and now that Bendis is going over there, yes, uh, yes. you know, I know, I'm with you. I follow the writers as opposed to, I feel I'm more DC. But again, the fact that Bendis is switched, like, uh, yeah. you know, um, Mark Wade, Vaughn Bendis, those are the guys that I'm going to read anything they write because I trust them. Yeah. You know, I, I totally fanboyed uh, Mark Wade. We were on the elevator. Uh, this was like 2004. I was at San Diego Comic Con, and uh, I looked over, and he was in the on the elevator with me. I'm like, "Oh my, you're Mark Wade!" And he's like, "Yeah." And he was actually going to be on a comic book panel with Kurt Busiek, and I'm like, "Stop by my my my, uh, my hotel room for a second. And I, I gave him like these. Uh, I had like a whole bunch of like. Stargate Atlantis caps and t-shirts. I didn't even know, ask him if he was a fan of the show. I was like, here, these are for you. Because I so loved his run on Flash. Yes. It, it is like one of, you know, my favorite, favorite runs. That's when I first, I was 15 and I had just really, it was my official start into going to get comics every week. You know, that's when you're yeah. a comic book collector. And he was the writer on The Flash. And you're right. You love it. You just, he made Wall yeah. and West so appealing. And it was right before yeah. he got the shiny suit with the white eyes. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, his run on Daredevil, Daredevil's my favorite Marvel uh, guy. And his run Dare was fantastic. Yes. Yeah, you know, Daredevil actually, though, I mean, he's one of those uh, characters who is almost... I don't want to say writer-proof because, or maybe it's just a matter of there being such, just such great writers on that that you know who've written Daredevil. Um, you know, like that that Brew Baker run was phenomenal, and and just you know, I, I, I if yeah, there's there's one um, you know hero or title that I, that I could go back to again and again. It's Daredevil. And then, you know, I mean, recently, because of comiXology, mm -hmm. um, I'm able to access, you know, all these old comic books. Like, yes. I mean, Marvel 2-1, Marvel 2-1 that I used to read as a kid. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I, I want to rediscover it. Or, or what if? Yeah. You know, oh, I, I, I love what ifs. I, I've just, 
Yeah, I'm just so busy though. I'm, I'm a guy who reads so much. I read like over 250 books last year. Granted, you know, like at least 15% of them were like graphic novels, but I read very quickly and that's my hobby. I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't golf like a lot of producers. I don't, you know, um, you know, reading is my thing. I set aside like two to two and a half hours every day to just read. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, I cover a lot of ground and, and, but you know, as much ground as I cover, there's still so much I want to get to. I know. I know. And isn't it, I mean, that's the great thing about comicology. I don't have to store these books in my attic anymore. Like it's there. Yeah. And when I feel like I've been buying the saga graphic novels, but yeah. I'm waiting to dive into them because I know it's heavy. And I don't want to, yeah. you know what I mean? With with comicology, it, you build up on a title and then you go, okay, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I caught up. Yeah. And then you move that, on. That's exactly what I'm doing. That's exactly what I'm doing. I, I, I'm kind of waiting. Um, you know, Jason Aaron is, is another uh, writer that I'm a really big fan of. I know he's on Thor right now. And I think he's finishing up on Thor. And so, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm basically picking out um, runs. Like, no, not, sorry, not runs, but... but uh, but storylines. Mm -hmm. So uh, I read I read a storyline last night that I didn't love. So basically, I'm not going to follow that writer again. But you know, it's just interesting. You know, there there's just so many you know terrific writers out there, and and uh, so many books to discover. What I mean, what would you recommend right now that you're reading? Oh, okay. Who uh, I have to think over the well, like you said, the Batman run is always good. Um, oh. Man, I'm trying to because uh, uh, my mind quickly just goes to obvious the obvious ones. Batman, uh, Super Sons was good. That got canceled because yeah, was that was that Peter J. Tomasi? Yes, he is great. Yeah, I, I, is. I met all these writers in October at Comic Con. Yeah, sweet, sweet guys, and I got to tell them like uh, like Tomasi mm -hmm. is one of those guys who actually made me like Damien. Because he would do the father-son dynamic with Batman, yeah. you know, and Damien. And then he did it with Superman and Superboy, which I don't know if you were reading that. I, I haven't read it. I haven't That's read it. That's highly and then, worth it. And, and, and basically you say it was canceled why? <laughs> Speaking of Bendis, because Bendis is taking over both Superman books, he has plans yeah. and apparently all the Superman-related titles have to get axed like uh super right. sons was damien and superboy which was again tomasi right. and uh yeah. detective comics by the way with tinny yeah. tynan uh yeah it, he got to do and you would appreciate this when you think about all the batman characters right the ones that you don't see mm. don't you think they should be on a team together like pick anybody robin nightwing Batgirl. Right. There should be a book where they're a team. Well, he on Detective got to put spoiler in there. Robin, uh, Batwing, um, try to uh, uh, who's the, uh, the guy who <laughs> Azrael? That's what I'm thinking of. Azrael, who, right. who I didn't care for originally. I I but, would agree with you. Right? I hate him. Yeah. But the way he writes them, he makes me like spoiler, and I never like spoiler either. See, this is this is shows you how how out of the loop I am. Uh, the last I I knew, spoiler was dead. Right. So okay, that, that that's how long I've been out of you know. 
you know, and then they forget they brought her back and then they forgot about her for years and now with the mm. new the new uh not new 52 but rebirth they're like no no remember her good she's now in detective on this bat squad team and it's so right. good and i got to tell them that i said you got to do the type of fun story that every kid when you're playing in your toy box you're like why wouldn't you know this guy from marvel and this guy from dc well, be a team or you know I, I, two two of my favorite uh titles from from one dc and one one marvel just dealt with kind of well not necessarily the b team but but the side you don't really see one with gotham central oh. and was that Greg Baca? yes yes yeah that was so and good that, that was fantastic it was almost like like a, a uh you know like a, a hill street blues you know contemporary hill street blues the other one is is actually a writer that i love nick spencer um, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, okay. where essentially focused on Spider-Man's kind of B-level foes mm-hmm. and 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 their attempts to you know gain recognition and uh, you know pull off the occasional heist and and I, I I you know I'm a big fan of his work and that was a title that I, I don't think got a lot of love but uh, oh I you know, don't know I, think- I remember hearing good things like people you know who would review these books said like you said. That's a book. It's a. It was a shame when it was ending. You know, I, yeah. I think they wanted that to go on forever. Let me let me pause and just grab my dog and put her on my sure. lap because she's uh, she's. <laughs> Hang on. Okay. Voila. All right. Thank you. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Um, I, I I'll have to make a point look at. Oh, I've seen it in pictures. It's nice to see in quote unquote person. It doesn't care. Right. She's uh, she's a little uh. Troublemaker. You lost yes. one a uh, while ago, didn't you? Yeah, we. You. You know, I had um, four dogs at one point. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, I had. One, I never really wanted dogs, and then my ex wanted a dog. So we got first dog Jelly, and then we got Maximus as as company for Jelly, and then we got Baba, who was supposed to be a present for. Uh, her brother, but I got attached, so we got her to- brother a toaster oven instead, and we kept Baba. And then she wanted a French bulldog, and so we got I got the French bulldog. But ultimately, I became kind of the dog dad, and uh, so that when we split up, I just got to keep all the dogs. And so you know, over time, uh, you know, uh, Maximus passed away. We were in Vancouver a year, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Jelly was my girl, my longest relationship, sixteen years and four months. She passed away. Uh, Baba passed away last year, um, you know, sadly. And uh, and now Lulu is our Frenchie. She's ten, and uh, Suji is uh, uh, our, uh, our our latest uh, acquisition here. She's a special needs pug, so we got her old. She's already thirteen. Wow. And uh, the character she's, she has like actually almost fifteen thousand followers on on Instagram. She yeah, actually does better than I. Do. Yeah. Man, She's more popular than me. I'm gonna be a post in the blog, I, you know. Television. Sorry, I, I was just saying. I remember keeping the updates up through your blog. You know, yeah. like oh, so that's where they are today. Okay, <laughs> but I, yeah. I'm a dog guy too, so I, I get it. You know, great. Uh, it's only been recently that we we've decided to not have a dog in our house. My whole life, I've had a dog, but you know, once yeah. you have kids, it's, you go ooh, yeah. It's a lot of dedication to an animal yeah. when I still have to watch kids. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, I'll have to make, you know, you're, you're going to have that on my mind now about what do I recommend? And I know there's a lot of titles. I'll send you a, a post of just like this. Please do. Because I'm telling you, and I know that you get it. So I don't, I don't, I won't have to subsplain it. You'll, you'll understand. Like I'll tell you the top, you know, like that Superman run. Yeah. The Superman run up until when Bendis takes over is fantastic. Ever since I'd say Rebirth is is phenomenal. But yeah, I'll I'll make you a list. Okay. Um. And do you watch? Thanks. You're welcome. Do you watch um any of the Marvel Netflix shows? Uh, you know I do not. Uh, not because. Uh, you know I I I, you know I don't want to. It's it just because I I. A, when I'm in production, I don't really have the time. much time for television. And really, when, when I have the free time, I usually do, I, I, I usually read a lot. And when you're reading like 250 books a year, there's not much time for TV watching. Yeah. When I do watch TV, it tends to be, you know, I do watch Netflix stuff, but it tends to be the limited uh, run uh, series. Usually, like, like, like I kind of like the foreign series. Uh, you know, the, I watched this Icelandic thriller called Trap, which was like a 10-episode series. I watched a French serial killer, a six-episode series called Le Mont. I watched Dark, which was kind of a German, weird, creepy time travel series. Um, you know, I, I just actually started watching Heartless, which was, I think, a Danish kind of vampire series, which is, I think, it was like a, a six-episode uh, first season. Um, you know, I, I kind of like the limited, uh, runs. Sure. Well, if you ever are tempted, you can do no wrong by yeah. watching Daredevil. All right. If you watch anything else connected to it, that's fine. But I always tell people, if you have to watch one, Daredevil is so satisfying. You're going to get, you, you end up caring about every character, whether like you start watching a show, you know, you're going to like the main guy. Right. But you end up caring about. You know the, the the newspaper reporter, or even the bad guy. You're like you're sympathetic for the kingpin, right? You know, so huh. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, let me think. All right, um, let's let's talk about Stargate because, well, because we want to push the Stargate Now thing. Uh, how? Yeah, how would you? This how I'm going to start this. How would you elevator pitch this to MGM? Um, <laughs> Not to put any pressure Fran on you. Star Stargate is one of the most successful, you know, sci-fi franchises in television history. You're going to, re you, you know, you're going to launch a fourth se a series. Um, you know, it's just a, a matter of how you do it. If you, if you reboot it, then essentially what you're doing is you're wiping out 17 years of television history and you're pissing off millions of fans around the world. Uh, on the other hand, I understand if you do a continuation of what has come before, you're going to be appealing to the existing fandom, uh, but you know, not necessarily new fans. So what I'm suggesting, Brad and Rob, who were the creators, you know, co-created uh, Brad co-created SG One. And with Rob co-created Atlantis and Stargate Universe, you know they created a beloved franchise that has made the studio. I would wager to say hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, give them the opportunity 
to create that fourth series, a series that basically is in canon, meaning it doesn't wipe away 17 years of history, and yet at the same time offers a fresh start for new viewers. You know, it, they're smart enough to be able to do that. I know they, I know they can. So, you know, it, out of respect for the, the existing fandom, give them the shot. Right. And like I tweeted to you, I, my idea was you create a hub show. We call it like Stargate Command. And that way you, can, right. you do all three shows out of that hub where the main base is the focus, say. You know, you could have... That would... Yeah. That, right? Yeah. Because that way everybody's happy. You could also like, you could have, I don't know... SG five be the focus of a team because you're not always going to see SG one, but you still know they're out there. Right. And that way, when you do right. have them cross paths with them, right? Like yeah. that, that always seemed to like be the duh kind of, why would yeah. you do that? So yeah. that's, I've been, well, you know, cause you've been doing it too. Tweeting like crazy to the point where, yes, well, it's going to get crazy next uh, sorry, tomorrow. Tomorrow is our big uh, tweet fest. I was telling everybody, uh, I did the, the intro to this episode. I said, 6 o'clock, uh, tweet MGM, go to Stargate Now, you know, at Stargate Now. They'll have the directions on what to hashtag. And yeah. just for that hour, go, 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 go. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, you know, fans have done petitions they've tried to organize you know uh letter writing campaigns they've called and i'm saying here's what we can do and you know it's just it's the easiest way to get the message out get everybody on one platform which is twitter you know we we can figure out how to trend basically by following these simple rules we're going to tag mgm and we're just going to blast them and it's just one hour of your time if you can make it if you're a fan of Stargate, I mean, basically, I mean, you know, I don't want to be, you know, overly dramatic here, but the fate of Stargate, as you know, it hangs in the balance. Right. So if they do that reboot, like I said, um, oh, you know, Samantha Carter, Teal'c, the Gua'uld, uh, John Shepard, McKay, uh, Nicholas Rush, the Destiny, all that will be relegated to, you know... You know, like another, like an alternate reality, as if it never happened. Right. So, you know, just make an effort, just for an hour, to come out, sign up for Twitter, follow Stargate now, and uh, you know, make some noise. Help us make some noise. And I mean, one of the things about MGM that I know for a fact, from having worked with them for so many years, is that they do respect fandom. They do listen to fandom, and I guarantee you that if we make enough noise Friday and then international fans Saturday night, that we will be hearing from MGM, uh, you know, next week. Because I, I guarantee they will not go a week without at least acknowledging the fandom. Right, right. And that's the thing, too, because I, like I said to you, even after tomorrow, that hour, I still, and I'm sure many others, plan to keep at it. I don't Until we get the, yes, it's coming back. You know, yes, you've succeeded. Right. I yeah. maybe it's for naught, but I still that part of me goes no. This is perfect television that needs to come back. So, the, you know, and like you said, you can't recast iconic characters. If if the right. the CBS MacGyver has taught us anything, you can't recast Richard Dean Anderson. 
Yeah, I mean, but this is also the thing. I mean, in the case of Star Trek and the Star Trek movies, you're a you're you're kind of doing you're, they're doing an AU uh, version, but B they're 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 looking at characters who you know haven't really been on a TV screen for fifty years, over fifty years. They're beloved. It's been fifty years. In the case of Stargate, it's been five years. Right. Yeah. So right, tough absolutely. to do. Yeah, I I, I know and. and the, that's the part that drives you nuts. They're still there. They're still. All the actors have said they're willing to come back. They, they miss the family, like you said. Yeah. So do it. Don't waste an opportunity. Make this happen. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Yeah. And, and, and one of the practical things that you've always said was about don't reboot. Reboots nine out of ten times never work. Never were wanted to begin with. You're not tricking mm -hmm. the audience. They're not going to go, oh, it's a, I'll just follow the name. It's It doesn't mm -hmm. work, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's uh, – hey, w you started on the fourth season, right? Sorry? Did you start writing for Stargate on the fourth season? Yeah, yeah, SG-1, yeah, fourth season. Were you glad to have the – Sorry. It's okay. Sorry, my, my, my iPhone is talking to me in Japanese. <laughs> Pardon me. Sorry. Was that's that? okay. Uh, were you glad to have the three years to draw on, or would you have rather been there right from the beginning? Um, you know, I, I think season four was a great jumping on point. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I honestly thought that the series got better and better. Mm -hmm. You know, over those first three seasons, so. Um, you know, I, Hey, look, if, 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 if we could have been on board at the beginning, I would have, it would have been great, but I, you know, I was very happy to be, get on board in season four. And I look back at the, the stories we wrote in season four and, and, you know, I'm very happy with, uh, you know, it you know, I think with window of opportunity was that season scorched earth was our first episode. We did the curse. Uh, we did chain reaction, which was a great, uh, Don Davis, uh, General Hammond episode, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, was that the year we blew up a sun? Or am I thinking um, of another year? The year? No, that's probably no. season five, seven, episode no. season five, season five. Okay, season five. yes, yeah. yeah, because because then they yeah. refer to it later on a couple times. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny too because I've read a lot where people say, say from the fourth season on, it became a lot of fun of well what if what if they had superpowers what if you know what if this right. what if that and it's so fantastic yeah. because it was written organically but you i just watched that one with with my my family i mean we watch them all the time but that happened to be the one i said mikey remember the one where they had superpowers he goes what oh you don't remember okay well we're watching that now <laughs> and it, it works in in the mythology, it nothing was ever shoehorned yeah. in. Yeah, you know, yeah. you could feel like, oh, okay, it's that gauntlet, and that's why it won't work on Teal. You know, that's cool. You know, all the little minutia, it all matters, and yeah. I really think it made a yeah. difference too. You know, otherwise, you could tell where they're going. Okay, like on this episode, they have superpowers. I don't care how they get there; just get the like. No, this. Right. You know, you realize right. afterwards because I didn't think of it at the time. Afterwards, you go, oh, wait a minute. They had super, that was a superhero thing. They even threw in the line about right. great power and great responsibility. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, Mikey looks at me like, oh, 
I know, I know. I know. <laughs> um, also, I wanted to thank you for uh, <laughs> settling a debate, more or less, because you're kind of the one that people would go to. Jack and Sam are together. That when you In my mind, yes, they are. Me too. Um, when do you think they it, did you officially? Know, you know, in in the last couple of years of Stargate, um, we wrote two features. Paul and I wrote Stargate Extinction, which would have been a, uh, a, a Stargate Atlantis feature. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brad Wright and Carl Biner were writing Stargate Revolutions. Mm -hmm. And there was a scene in Stargate Revolution where Carter talks about going back home uh, to Jack to have dinner. For dinner or may you know or they're gonna have uh dinner. so which you know in my mind confirmed their uh their you know the the, the relationship yep um uh, sadly you know stargate uh revolutions and stargate extinction never saw the light of at v screens unfortunately but uh you know you, you take my word for it yeah they were together well, and I, I i agree because, you know, if anybody debated, I'm like, no, no, this wasn't made up in people's minds. This is actual canon where they knew they, they wanted to be together, but they couldn't because of the military restriction. Yes. But in my mind, the moment that he gets sent off to Washington, well, she's no longer directly under his command. Therefore, ergo, Correct. so they're together. Like whether they got married right away or they're just living together from that moment on. Mm -hmm. Oh, also remember when she comes back after Amanda's maternity leave. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? General Landry has to get permission from Jack because he doesn't want to let her go. I yeah. picked up on that. I'm like, see, come on. And I always thought, okay, season nine or 10, just please in a passing line or like they, they, they did in Atlantis, but we didn't get to see it. Mention. Yeah, that scene where, you know, yeah. where she says, ah, well, she's in a relationship, yep. right? And, yep. and oh, he's older and he's in the military, but he's thinking about retiring. Yes. Ah, uh, one, one sentence could have cleared all that up, you know. And yep. Hopefully, MGM will let us go back to. Do you think they'd they'd be able to go back to those movie ideas? It's kind of tough. I mean, basically, you know. Um, I mean, they'd have to make you know, it into television, but ten years ago. You know, the, the finding the actors or, you know, gauging their interest. Like, Jason Momoa has been on fire, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the possibility of getting him back as Ronan, uh, maybe, you know, no. a little, you know, kind of, I don't know. Sure. But, you know, I, you could write around that, I would think. You know. I suppose, you know, I just, you know, in my mind, you know, if, if we're going to, bring back Stargate. I like the idea of bringing back the gang. It's yes. like doing, you know, return to Gilligan's Island without ginger. It just doesn't feel like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I just love playing with the idea of what ifs, you know, I always thought they, yeah. they should have, they Jonas should have stuck around. Remember when yeah. Daniel came back, I'm like, well, just throw Jonas in a back room, say he's there. And he's like <laughs> his research assistant. And that way, whenever right. you need him, he can pop out and be on a mission, you know. Right. But uh, yeah. oh, I hope, I pray that this works. This is yeah. this is so important. It all comes down to tomorrow night. I know, I know. So I'm going to get this out. Uh, I'll I'll wrap it up with 
with you. I'll get editing this. Uh, however, you know, I hope we get to talk again because I enjoy yeah, this. Yeah, by all means, I, like, you know, my, my schedule will clear up. I'm sorry my schedule has been so crazy. Uh, but I'm glad we uh, finally got a chance to chat. And uh, let's do it again sooner than later. Definitely. Uh, one last question. Uh, <laughs> dark matter related. Yeah. One was killed. Yes. Okay. I'm watching the I'm watching the episode and there's the clone of him or the original, I guess you'd yeah. say. And okay, so he gets killed, so I'm thinking it's a red herring. Okay, yeah, it's a trick where he's going to come back or it's going to be a clone body or whatever. He never came back. No. What wow. What how come? <laughs> uh to be honest with you, that wasn't part of my, I, I had a very detailed plan, the five-year plan for every arc, every character arc, every story arc, mm -hmm. and really the, the killing him off was re, was um, pressures from the outside. Oh, okay. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I wanted to shake things up. However, having said that, I if we had gone a fourth season, I had an, a, a a way of kind of bringing the character back. Okay, good. Um, good. And involved involved something called clone locking that we would have established earlier on, or that we kind of seeded that we would have kind of revealed um, that we never got around to. So I'll save it for my dark matter fanfic. And I was so happy for you when I saw that original uh, comic miniseries. So, oh, he oh gets, yeah. you know, he's doing his own comic book. I'm going to read this forever. Oh, it's only the miniseries. <laughs> and then yeah. it became the show. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not complaining yeah. at all. Um, do, you yeah. do you think you'll write more comics? I'd love to. I, I'd really love to. It just finding the time. And, and it's, it's kind of a, it's like a whole other world. Like I don't really do the cons. So I don't really know the editors. I don't really know the writers. I, I you know, I follow some of them on Twitter. Um, but sure, I mean, you know, I have a comic book concept for a sci another sci-fi series. I would love to do this, go the same route as Dark Matter. Um, that, um, you know, like Dark Matter, Dark Matter would, would have been an impossible sale to make. But by establishing it as a comic book first, I was able to really have that open the door and, and, and get the sale. So I want to do something similar with another comic book. I've got an, an artist in mind, actually a terrific artist, and, and sent him the concept and it's 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 another space based adventure with uh, you know character driven colorful characters uh, uh, a, re, a a sense of fun and sense of humor and it's just a matter of finding the right comic book company the right partner to uh, to uh, work with. I'm excited for it. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, I will let you go, but uh, thanks for doing this. We if I seriously want to pick up where we left off because again I feel like we barely scratched the surface but the main point was yes absolutely stargate now stargate now stargate now let's make this happen is what i wanted to establish and uh, great yeah we'll do this when you're free you let me know and in the meantime i will send you that list thank you you're welcome and thank you for uh continuing to push the dream ah please <laughs> pleasure <laughs> all right i'll talk to you later all right. Thank Thanks, you. Mac. Have a good you night. You too. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please let us know what you think by going to iTunes, Stitcher, our Facebook page, and also on Twitter. Nathan is N-A-S-C-H-E-L-L, -L, 
and I'm just Mac W. Jackson. If you'd like to help us out and give us a little contribution, please go to PayPal and sign in to donate to at MacWJackson at Comcast.net. And remember, stay creative.